Welcome to Sounding Board Parenting, creating healthier human connections through the commonality of parenting. Exploring the world of parenting with high-performing mums and dads from a range of backgrounds, industries, and family dynamics. This week is special and different all in one. What you're about to listen to is the first ever Sounding Board Parenting chat with more than one parent. That's right, in this episode, you'll hear from Cav and Beth Templey, who are parents of a blended family, which includes Ziggy, Cassia, Hunter, and Violet. Both Cav and Beth are creatives at heart, which they try and bring into their parenting as often as possible. Cav, who is the lead singer and songwriter for ARIA-winning rock band Eskimo Joe, was once quoted as describing his family dynamic as the Brady Bunch without Alice to clean up everything. It's time to sit back, relax, laugh, and enjoy the parenting insights and personal journeys from this beautiful and amazing couple. We start the episode midway through Cav describing what it has been like as a blended family during the COVID pandemic. Let's jump in. One of the things that I think you'd probably get from anyone who, as a parent who has kids going between houses, is that, you know, you, you struggle during the week or whatever time you have with the kids in your allotted time to get to a place with them emotionally and, you know, physically and everything. And you, everyone will always say, oh, we just get to a really good place. Then they have to go back to their other parent's house where there's a whole new set of rules and, you know, and that's okay. Um, but, uh, one of the great things about the ISO thing is that we all broke through so many more barriers because we spent so much more intense amounts of time together, even though they yeah. were having to go between the parents. Um, yeah. I think we kind of just broke through a lot of stuff that it would normally take us, you know, going on holiday and spending that intense amount of time together. So yeah, lots of barriers were broken. We also had the misfortune and which became a fortune of losing all of our work. So we were available. We weren't trying, we were, we were madly on researching how we could actually still stay alive, but um, we actually had the time available to be with the children. We didn't have to log in at eight o'clock in the morning to an office job and then log out at six o'clock and then still be trying to parent and homeschool. We were there. So mm. because we lost all of the gigs, like all that stopped. Pilates couldn't be taught. Not everything that we do had to stop. This is this will actually be the longest period of time since I was 19 years old that I've been at home and not been on the road touring. So wow. if you put that into the factor of kids coming into the equation at a certain point in time. It's like, you know, your kids only ever knowing your parents having a FIFO job, you know, and you, or they, they grew up with, it's a normal for their parent to get on a plane every two weeks and go away for a couple of weeks and come back again. And, and that's, and they're okay with that because that's their, their um, reality. But this is the first time that we've all just been in the same place at the same time. And there's never been any like, Oh, well let's have one last nice dinner because dad's got to get on a plane and, you know, go over East tomorrow. And there was none of that stuff going on. So I, I've actually think there's been, the kids have felt a lot more secure in their environment than they ever have, which has been really nice. It's a real shift in, in the whole dynamic, isn't it? I, what you both just said resonated with me big time. Uh, and there's been another adjustment in the last few weeks, both uh, my partner Jess and Oscar have gone back to, to, to their things. Oscar's at daycare, Jess is at work and, and I'm still working from home a majority of the time. And 
honestly, I've actually missed having them in, in the room next door, especially Oscar, just the fact of being able to, to go and walk in and give him a hug whenever I wanted and, and for him to be able to do the same. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of led me down a, a new a path, down a rabbit hole of, of finding ways to make that work more often as well now too, which is, um, yeah, which has been something that's been cool. Yeah, it's almost like over the period of since maybe, you know, I don't know when, uh, but, uh, you know, with, you know, the internet and mobile phones and the way that the world works, it's just got faster and faster and there's more exciting things to do in the world, you know, like we're staying up later and, and you know, we're... And you can travel all over the world. Exactly. And, <laughs> and and that's not exactly good for a family dynamic. You know, they, I've in my ideal world, you should be able to walk into the next room and hug your child whenever you like. I don't know if it's good for the child or not, but <laughs> it's good for us. Uh, but We love it. We are, we're also, I mean, where myself and Beth met each other was um, at a school in Fremantle called Lance Holt School. Um, we both went there when we were kids and then we met as parents um, through our two youngest. And Lance Holt is this really amazing situation where... Um, There's a transparency between the home and the school. Not at the moment. That's had to change because of COVID-19, but... There is this beautiful relationship that is between the parents and the teachers and every, all the staff and the children that it's a whole way of learning and the parents are welcome. So you are, you are allowed to go in and hug your child, you know, anytime you want to. <laughs> Again, maybe it's not good for their learning because it's got you got to back off probably after pre-primary year one. I think what, yeah. yeah. And so I think what happens at Lance Holt is that the ki- the parents are really involved and they're kind of hanging around as long as the, the kids need them to. And then at a certain point, usually around about, you know, pre-primary, pre-primary they like mum or dad, we don't actually want you in the classroom anymore. So it's a really natural progression that the parents kind of step away. And, um, you, you know, that's, that's been a really something that we've kind of grown up with already as parents. So it hasn't been too much a shift of us of how we see our kids on a day-to-day basis because, you know, it's Lance Holt school is such a community school, as Beth said, you know, there's, we're already in the school all the time. And our line of work as well. So if I was teaching Pilates, it's usually early in the mornings or in the evenings. It's not every single day. It's not Monday to Friday. Our weekends are Tuesday. <laughs> so It sounds like a dynamic that really, fits you guys and 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 your way of of thinking and and just being as well like you said from a professional standpoint it's a it's how creatives have to live but it means that we do spend more time daytime hours with our children than most people we also uh, you know when myself and beth came together as parents and we were like well, what's our philosophy who are we as parents together um we um, I think both of us took a um, conscious step back from how much we actually work because both of us were already thinking, well, you know, this is such a short period of time in our lives that we get to be parents. So like, I think we've, we've both taken a hit to our professional lives because we've chosen to be with our kids more. And, uh, you know, it probably would make our lives a bit easier if we worked a bit more and earned a bit more money and all the rest of it. But then that means that someone else would be spending more time with our children and looking after them. And, and we don't want that. We actually want to be there with our children and helping them through the problems as opposed to a, a parent or a nanny doing that, you know, to a certain age anyway. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. But, uh, what you're saying, what you're saying in terms of uh, 
basically if you say yes to, to another opportunity or yes to something else, in the same breath, you've got to consider what you were saying no to or what you were taking time away from. And that's something that has come out of this whole pandemic situation for, for Jess and I is that uh, there's, there's amazing opportunities out there, both in the professional world, personal, spiritual, health, um, as a family. It's, it's about bringing conscious thought to, um, to making those decisions and, and being able to consciously sort of readjust and, and follow, uh, follow what gives you energy. That's something I've been trying to, to stick to lately as well. Mm, that's nice. I like that. Um, I mean, we're by no means rubbing it in saying, look, we're so, we spent so much time with our children that this is no different. <laughs> still, it, it was still really full on, you know, like we had weeks where everyone was yelling at each other in the house because, you know, we're all spending so much time with each other as a bunch of humans. We're trying to work out how to occupy the same small space as each other every day. And, but I, I think you know, really the experience for us was a positive one at the end. It kind of just built on, on this idea that we'd be already been playing with. As, as Cav said to me, we're just helping our children become really good housemates. <laughs> so that we literally, we were pretty, we might've seen quite mean or maybe who knows, but they all had to like up their game with household activities. So we're not just talking, stacking the dishwasher, unpacking the dishwasher, doing the dishes, mopping the floors, sweeping the floors, all that sort of stuff. We're talking, we ended up getting this amazing food delivered dinner twist for the period of the time and they had to read and cook the meals because they're old enough to do that in pairs. They had to team up. They had to do all sorts of different things. They had to go on a walk with us around the block, which was sometimes hideously embarrassing for the 14 and 12 year, nearly 12-year-old. 12 um, What's embarrassing about that? I know, well, it's together, you see. We, we, we're like, we're apparently we're a little bit weird. <laughs> our, our children love to tell us on a regular basis how weird we are. Um, and we take that, you know, in our stride. We're like, sweet. We're I was going to say, it's a compliment, isn't it? <laughs> they don't know that yet. They don't though. know that <laughs> not, yet. Not yet. Not yet. That, that's, that's the key word, isn't it? That's, um, uh, that's a really optimistic viewpoint, Beth. I, I admire that too. And, and, and I'd love to know if this has changed for you in terms of what roles do you both see yourself playing right now in, in different areas of life? Well, as far as our kids go, I mean, me and Beth have a saying, which is everything together. <laughs> so uh, we, you know, talk through everything. We don't go into those uh, typical male, female roles. Like we, the nurturing and the discipline and all of those things we, we share out equally um, but you know, there's certain things that we're better at, you know, like Beth is an amazing cook. Cat so is fantastic at doing the washing. Yeah, I, Beth, I have a bit of anxiety Beth, over the washing. Beth's not. You'll have to teach me your ways, mate. That's something I'm, I'm constantly working on. Uh, it's one of those things that will constantly be there. That's the problem. <laughs> like with cooking, I, I celebrate and I might've made all of the family watch the occasional cooking show along the way. But with cooking, it, you start a project and you, and especially if the kids are t there and they're, and I'm just supervising, um, there's, there's a finished product at the end. Even if it's not great, there's something to look like that's there. But with the washing, every time you turn around, there's more there. <laughs> <laughs> it's never done. It's this eternal cycle. I remember when I first became a parent, because I was a project manager before that, and 
I sat down and I think it was like week four or something. And I actually wrote my to-do list and then I wrote it again the next day. And then I looked at them and I went, they're exactly the same. What's going on? Washing, folding, washing. <laughs> it was, yeah. There's a, um, there's something that's come up in the Hat Jam podcast that we've been doing with all of the different creatives that we've interviewed. And they all say, you know, like I always ask them, when do the ideas come? And they all say, you know, when you least expect it or when you're doing like menial tasks. And I can totally relate to that because if I'm hanging up the washing and no one's going to be like asking me for anything because I'm just there outside hanging the washing. And, and just, they don't want to hang out the washing. Yeah. And I'm just going into my own thoughts. It's definitely, I definitely have a moment to meditate on creative ideas or I'm not thinking about anything. And that's when the ideas come for me as well. So I, I, I have no problem with, with hanging up the washing or doing the washing because I feel like there's, there's, there's a greater good, you know, at, happening which is that's a that's an awesome way to look at it it's almost no I, I totally agree you almost enter to some state of flow in in some of those tasks don't you in terms of just um yeah tapping out of of the conscious mind in, into the unconscious i've i've heard that in a lot of interviews as well around um like shower time even like just being in the shower and you, you end up coming up with these amazing ideas and you're just like how did that come just from jumping in the shower or for me, it's actually on a long drive. I, f I find the exact same thing. Or doing a wee is one of the classic times. I, I, I first came up with the idea for the song Black Fingernails, Red Wine while I was doing a wee. Is that and, right? And, uh, and it's it, true. And it was, a true story. it was literally because I, I was, um, I put the, my glass of red wine on the toilet. I, my fingernails were black obviously. And I was doing a wee and I obviously had to look where I was weeing. And so I started to make up a little song as I was looking down, I was like, black fingernails, red wine. I want to make you all mine. And I was like, that's a cool, that's a good idea. And so the next day I, you know, turned it into a song. So this is wow. pretty so, we don't encourage taking wine to the toilets. Anymore. I was at a pub at the time. Let me just, I was at the Rosemount Hotel in Perth and. I'm uh, literally about two streets away from the Rosemount. So um, there you go. That's, um, that's something I didn't know about the Rosemount now that I do. Well, I don't know if weeing is a menial task, but you know, I was very distracted by the weeing and then great ideas came out of it. So there you go. There you go. That's, um, that's, that's one I'm going to add to the list. Showers, long drives and and taking a piss. <laughs> I, I'd love to know uh, from, from both of you uh, the, the stories behind when you first found out you were going to be, be parents. Oh, okay. Um, well, my journey's a little bit different. When I first found out I was going to be a parent, I fully thought, I was extremely excited, of course, but I fully had it planned that I was going to go on maternity leave and then go straight back to full-time work. And then when I had Violet, the heavens opened and I just didn't know how I was ever going to be away from this person ever again. And so I went back into my other job four or five years later. So I didn't go back to work. I was very fortunate enough to be a full-time parent. Um, and then when I was pregnant with Cassia three years later, I had a very traumatic time because she was a heart kid and um, we, I had to fly to another state for her to have surgery 12 hours later. Um, so I actually couldn't go back to work even if I'd wanted to after Cassia anyway. But then, yeah, I was fortunate enough to actually be at home for the first five years, six years of Violet, my eldest life, which is, it changed me completely in that time. But with them, 
what I also realize is that it's very important to grow with them and not just stay there when they're tiny, doing everything for them, being with them. If you need to grow in that moment, then you grow with them if you can. Wow. That's, um, that's, that's deep and, and awesome in one. It's something that has sort of got me thinking about Oscar, who's, who's two years old uh, at the moment and, and how he, he emulates so much of, of what Jess and I do. It's not so much what we say. You know how there's that old saying, do as I say, not as I do? I think that's completely backwards Like yeah. because they, yeah. are, they are following what we are doing, whether we like it or not. It's, um, it was only the other day where Jess brought something to my attention after Oscar uh, started choking on a hot chip and she said, you know why he keeps choking on food? I was like, what are you talking about? He's trying to copy the way that you eat and you eat insane. Your intensity is ridiculous. Like you've got to, you've got to nip this in the bud before he chokes on a, on a bigger piece of food. And, and it's crazy. It really led me down this thought path of they do, they just, they emulate everything you were doing. They, they are watching um, at times that you would just have no idea or thought about it. They actually emulate it times 10. So 10 times bigger than what you do. That's what they show back to you, the older they get, trust me. So absolutely, that you are their biggest mirror to start off with. And then it's not just a mirror. What happens then is that they, they don't choose the right things that they want to mirror either. It's usually the things you don't want them to mirror <laughs> that they'll mirror. And they'll take on as their personality traits. You're like, no, I wanted you to get that bit. That bit over there is great. Not that bit. That bit's not okay. So it makes you look within yourself as well. And I have been very lucky to have had an amazing mother who is a psychologist and her partner is a psychologist. So I have group therapists at my disposal that have always um, helped me be very child-centered in my approach to parenting. and. Um, also with the same ethos of the, of the Lance Holt School, it is asking the child when possible, of course, when it's not dangerous and they're running across a road, you have to grab them. But when possible to ask the child, even at the age of two, was that the right thing? Was that the right choice? Putting it back on them. Providing them input, I, I really but, admire that. But also providing them with the opportunity to make the decision if this is the right thing or the wrong thing, or even just to ask the question in themselves as soon as they're old enough to do that, but also providing the environment, especially for kids under the age of five, to be good. So if you want a child to not hear the word no, because that's all about that at the moment and all that sort of thing, and not hear, don't do this and be this and do that and blah, 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 then don't have stuff on the floor that they can't touch. It's, you know, provide the environment to be good. And it's continued on to teenagers, really. Providing the environment to be good. Having them earn extra time back on their phone. Having set times that they decide that they're not going to be on it, but you tell them how many hours they can't be on it for. It's a minefield, but anyway. <laughs> no, it is. It, there's, no, there's no right or, or wrong way, is there? But... Being, being aligned is something that um yeah that that i i agree is is really important and providing that that opportunity for for decision making as well and 
And and Cab, what about what about yourself, mate? In in terms of the the story behind when you found out you were going to be a dad for the first well, time. Um, probably quite a different experience to what what Beth had. Um, my, I was you know in the midst of being an international uh, rock star, man of mystery at the time. So uh, when I first found out, it was like you know my girlfriend at the time. We weren't super serious or anything. Um, and I was in the middle of a six week tour across America and America is a very, very large place. And so I woke up one morning in Baltimore and got a phone call and it was my girlfriend, you know, kind of asking me if this is something, you know, in her delivery of like, is this something we want to do? And, you know, straight away I was like, amazing, that fan, this is amazing. And, and I was, I was super excited, but completely spun out because I, I wasn't planning any of it. I was, I just, we had an American record deal. We were planning on touring across America. At the end of this tour, I was meant to be going into a, like a film studio and, and doing an audition for a, a, like a movie opposite Jennifer Aniston. It was all just, I, and that was, that felt pretty normal to me at that point in time. And then I got this news and I was like, no, nope, screw that. I'm going home and I'm going to be a dad because for me, uh, I had I had a pretty terrible relationship with my father and so I wasn't going to let that happen to my children and I didn't want to be the absent father either. So as they say in America, I kind of turned on a dime and, and went home and didn't do the audition with Jennifer Aniston and just went home and, uh, you know, married my girlfriend and we had uh, our second baby, Ziggy, through that process. And by that stage, you know, we were married and it was a legit relationship. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, we just kind of got on with it being parents. And I don't think either of us had really planned on it. Um, but, you know, again, that relationship lasted about five years because I think, you know, neither of us knew each other very well. But what happened out, out of it with these two amazing, amazing children and what also happened out of it is that my youngest Ziggy, his very first best friend in the world was Cassia. And that's how it's almost like these roads kind of led to me and Beth meeting each other. That's beautiful, mate. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And, and what you said around the roads leading to each other. I heard something the other day and, and I'm interested in, in both of your thoughts on it too. It was, um, it was something around these days where we're always looking for our purpose. Like we're, we're told that life is about having a purpose. So you, what do we do? We go and try and find it or we, we go and look for it when in actual fact, it's, it's really coming back to creating the meaning that you want in those moments. So just the way that you described it at the end there in terms of that meaning tied to to those moments of, of children becoming friends and then uh, the relationship between yourselves blossoming. I think that's, that's really awesome. And, and, and it just shows that there's no, um, there's no set, set path for any, anyone or anything. Well, I also, I think, you know, most people in their description of when they found out they were going to be parents, the next thing they usually say is that it saved them, you know, whether it was, you know, Beth finding out that she didn't want to be a corporate giant or myself, you know, not getting lost in America, you know, I might, it would have been a very sliding doors moment, you know, just disappearing into that world. But I got to come back and I got to do the most humbling thing that can ever happen to you where you finally, and I think 
I think as a male, I can only speak as, as a, as a man in this world, but like, you know, we grow up with this idea that, you know, we are the most important person in the world and, and especially being a musician and writing songs about yourself and it's just self, you know, analysis all the time. Then suddenly you have this little person and it's the first time that I was able to step outside of myself and have something else that wasn't me that was more important than me in this world, you know, and, uh, and it was just, it absolutely saved me. It turned me into a better person. I felt like it happened at the, at a time when, um, I could have disappeared into another world and never come back again, you know, but I, but a little part of my soul was saved by, you know, this little person arriving and, and me just falling absolutely in love with this person. And, um, and now, you know, I feel like I don't have any regrets of turning my back on, on touring and, and that kind of way or doing any of that stuff because I'm extremely happy in my life. I love my children. I love my family. And, uh, and if these people hadn't have come along, I would have had a very different experience of it. From, from, yeah. Sorry, Beth, go ahead. I was going to say that when I realized I was going to become a step parent, <laughs> <laughs> that was quite a different experience as well. It was like, you want to like you love these children and us getting married we did it for romantic reasons but also so that the children within our world felt really safe as well to be able to rely on us in their world um but when we realized we we're gonna have be step parents as well it was like you're never going to replace their parent and nor do you ever want to in any shape or form but you become this other person and you love these children as much as your own it's it was quite, it's, it's like, how can we do this to not make, and it was, it's hard because to begin with, you kind of like, you don't want to be their friend, but you also don't want to overparent because you've got to build that trust. Mm. Um, but it was exciting. We all got pretty excited at the thought of becoming like a blended family. I'd love to, um, I'd love to, to dive into that uh, a little bit more as well. And 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 just on a shallow side note, I don't know why I'm asking this, Cav, but for any for any uh, Rachel from Friends fans out there, um, could you give us a, a little little insight into to what what movie that that may have been? Uh, it was uh, I don't. It was about um, the movie was I was meant to play a musician because um, apparently they had auditioned all these different um, actors who were meant to be playing musicians, and none of them could do it, so they started to um, uh, audition musicians. And I think my name was, Ty was going to be Tyler or some ridiculous American name like that. And, uh, Rock of Ages? no, it was something about like called like overboard or something like that. And it was, I don't know. I was well, that, that my friend, I think is, is enough juicy details for anyone out there to, to go hunting now. So you might get a, you might, you might get a bit of interaction, um, from, from some Jennifer Aniston fans now too, I think, but, um, I'd know. Yeah. I noticed I think they ended up hiring an actor, not a musician after all of that. <laughs> Apparently actors, can't, I mean, musicians can't act. So there you go. Oh, well, who knows? It's, it's, um, the story's not over yet. You, you, might, you might get that role at some point. <laughs> who, who knows what, what the future holds. And, and, and taking a bit of a, a turn now, uh, in terms of what, what have you, you learned from your kids um, throughout your time as, as being parents? Wow. Um... I, I think for me, it's, it's like a reigniting of things that were there that you'd for, maybe forgotten about for a moment. 
And I mean, I look at our, our two youngest, Cassia and Ziggy, and their world of imagination is so, you know, intense and they just dive in there and just giggle away in this world. And it's a very similar relationship to, to what um, Beth and I have, but uh, it's, I, I think it reignited that, you know, that idea of magic, you know, and wonder and all of those kinds of things. I'm not sure if I ever was. <laughs> I, 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 I've put lots of voices on for every single teddy bear that anyone ever has. Um, but I think with me, it's if you getting back to the energetic conversation, if you give something energy, it grows. So if you feed the bad stuff energy and you're constantly focusing on things that they're doing wrong, they just get worse. So if you end up focusing on, oh, and they hear you saying, oh, they haven't been sleeping, then I don't know what's wrong. And, and if you start to focus on it, they just don't end up having a good night's sleep. And it's about reminding yourself of good or bad. If you give something energy, it's going to grow. And generally, you need a lot more patience than you think you ever would. <laughs> That is something definitely that um that parent parenting delivers uh, on a platter, doesn't it? The um that the forced patience that that you you're pushed into it, whether you like it or not, and um and I mean who knows maybe there are some people out there that they're still going the other way, but for for most parents that I've I've talked to, it's definitely uh, been beneficial to them in in other areas of of their life as well in terms of being able to um. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing what you can feel and experience when you intentionally slow down, and that's something I've learned big time from 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 being a parent. And when I say intentionally slow down, I legit mean while the toddler is twenty meters behind you, trying to waddle their way and follow you down the road, you're not walking at the pace that you did before being a parent. Like you are, you are forced into taking that literal literal. Uh, slow down in in terms of everything you were doing which um can be frustrating at times but for for the most part i think it's something that's really beautiful as well and allows you to to feel and experience a little bit more absolutely especially as cav and i are used to him more so than i but with hat jam i've been going on quite a few trips with cav and we're used to getting our stuff organized and out the door and off we go and Cav in particular is incredibly efficient at doing this after 21 years of touring and sometimes the kids just they just take longer and when there's when there's five six humans to get out of the house by a certain time um it can be hard because we're going at a much faster pace than they are even at 10. And as at as an adult, you know, you, you learn from your children not to have tant tantrums because your kids have tantrums all the time. And especially in our house, if there's six people and at least two of them are having a tantrum, then uh, you learn that uh, you might need to take a different tact if you want to get them to do something. You can't just get angry. Totally, totally. You, you've really got me in a, a deep state of reflection at the moment. I'm, I'm really enjoying this chat. And Time for a short reflection break. This is an opportunity for you to stop, take a breath and reflect on your past week as a parent. If you have a pen and paper near you, that's great. If not, simply use your phone or laptop. I want you to write down three things. 
First, write down one moment in the past week that you were proud of yourself as a parent. Second, write down one area of your parenting that you would like to improve for the next week. Third, write down one moment from the past week where your child or children have made you smile. Be kind to yourself and enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'd love to know as well, you've, you've touched on it a fair bit, but how would you both describe your, your parenting styles? Possibly uh, your parenting style together as a team and, and, then, um, and then individually as well, if you, think, if you think there's differences there. Well, uh, we, our, our style is basically to um, stay engaged with our children and um, that can be a really difficult thing to do in this day and age with devices. Um, and look, even looking into, like Beth t- touched on it briefly, but even looking into, you know, parenting through social media and those things, we've got kids who are just going into that world of teenagers and social media. Um, you know, it's, it's a brand new world and you have to parent in and stay engaged in, in their world of social media. And that is really tough when you're dealing with kids who have basically got the best drug that has ever come out, which is, you know, social media. Um, so we choose and it's, it's not the easiest path, but to, to stay engaged and with everything that they're doing, we don't go, Oh, cool. It's, it's, it's mommy and daddy's time. Just leave us to drink our wine. You know, sometimes we'll do that a little bit and let them watch a movie together. Like they'll get into a series that they'll all watch together, but we're still engaged in what they're watching. We're like, okay, you guys want to watch that. And then we engage in the idea of what, who's the characters. We make sure we watch a little bit so we can actually have conversations with them about it. And um, we're not, we're just, we're not letting them just cruise off to do their thing. And it, and it's just very exhausting sometimes, but I think what you get back from it is just better humans. It's not easy though. <laughs> it's definitely the long road, isn't it? By the sounds of it. it. But it's one of those things. I was one of those annoying parents that would play with my child at the park <laughs> <laughs> because we're both, we're both, you know, creative. So when you've been in the world of drama and theater and it's playful and it's fun. So um, not all the time, but, we're still very much very engaged to a degree. It's also being engaged is knowing when to give them space and when to give them freedom mm. to just walk into Frio and be themselves. Because all of our children have grown up going to school in the middle of Fremantle. So we feel very comfortable with letting our kids walk to the shops, buy themselves something and walk home again. So it's not giving them the freedoms but if something then goes wrong, then they lose that freedom for a little while and earn it back again. But it's being, you know, feeling engaged enough to know that when they do go somewhere, they hopefully won't make the wrong choice. Which is this whole idea of play-based learning. You know, it's, you know, these, these kids are learning by doing all the time. And that means that we have to be engaged in that doing as well, which like we said, it's like, it's, it's the long road. It's, it's a lot of work, but I think what our job is, is to raise, you know, better humans in the world. And cause let's face it, there's lots of dickheads out there. <laughs> we don't, we don't want our children to be dickheads. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They could be monsters, but not dickheads. No. <laughs> Little monsters that what, what you, what you just said, I've just got a nice group of Harley Davidson's riding past me as we speak. But just as you um just as you said, 
around play, it got me thinking about, I didn't even know what play was until I had a child. And, and I, I had this idea of what play was. And then diving into that world of parenting, you, you realise the, the value of unstructured play. So play to me was always around, like whether it was playing a video game or whether it was playing sport. I, I loved my footy growing up. And, and it was always around, like, play is winning and losing. Like that, it, that's what play is until, until Oscar arrived and, and I realised the value of, of unstructured play. And, and, and you mentioned before as well, Beth, sometimes they, they don't want it. And that's where I think the beauty in, in unstructured play is, is that it's child-led. So, like, they, in a lot of ways, make those decisions about what you were doing, where you were going, um, just what type of play you're, you're, you're engaging in. And sometimes that's going to be making it clear that they just want to play by themselves or with their peers or whatever it might be, and, and that's okay. But the beauty of that is that it's child-led and, and they're being empowered to, to make those decisions. And, and I think that's a really beautiful thing as well. Yeah, agreed. In, in terms of um, actually, there, there was something I wanted to raise, and correct me if I'm wrong, Cab, but I, in the lead up to this, I, I read I read something about you at, at 16 and uh, an infamous music teacher um, at school that that potentially played a bit of a role in um, in, in the path that that you've been down so far in, in your music career as well, and and uh, I'm happy for you to elaborate on on that if if you like, but it also involved um, your, your mum as well. So I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to know from both of you, uh, what, what type of parenting did you experience as children? Well, um, with the notorious uh, music teacher situation, I do think like having, I must say, uh, having gone into the world of music education myself, so what myself and Beth have done over the last you know, what, four years, five, seven. seven years now is we've been running um, uh, music workshops for, you know, 13 to about 17 year olds. And this is like, you know, something that we had to invent because there was a massive gap between what was being taught at high school and what was expected of you out in the professional world as a contemporary musician. So you can do contemporary music courses, but you know, they, some of them are bogus, some of them are, are okay, but there's a large gap between what they do there and what happens at high school. So we started to kind of run these workshops and what occurred to me really early on in this is I was like, man, I would have loved to have done something like this when I was 16 and going and talking to my music teacher. And what happened is um, I was doing um, the theater arts program at John Curtin senior high school here in Fremantle. And, but it was becoming quite obvious I was a much better musician than I was ever going to be an actor. You know, I'm sure Jennifer Aniston, if she ever saw me act would, you know, concur. Uh, but uh, I was definitely much more talented at playing music. And so as these big musical productions would come up or, you know, there would be some musical event that was happening in the school, I would go, you know, very confidently and knock on the the, the head of the music department's door. And I would say, um, I I know that there's a, production of Oliver happening. Can I play bass in the school band? Cause I know that you guys don't have a bass player, um, which means they'd probably have to hire someone to come in to play it and all the rest of it. And, and then she would, and she'd say to me, are you in special music? And I would say, no, I'm not in special music. And she's like, well, you can't play in the school band then. And I would say, okay. Um, and this went on year in year out for about 
two and a half years, I think, which is a long time in high school. That's like a lifetime. Um, so by the time I got to when I was like, you know, 16, um, I went in and I was really interested in, I decided, okay, I'm going to go for the jazz conservatorium because I was already a lot more advanced than all the kids who were already doing special music at the school. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll, go, I'll make a career out of this. I'll go to the conservatorium. I'll get a, I'll get a degree in you know, music education and I'll become a music teacher as well as, and I can keep playing music. Um, so I needed to use a double bass and I, and no one played the double bass at the school. And there was a beautiful double bass that sat there and I went and I knocked on the door and I said, you know, can I, um, use the double bass and come and practice on this in my lunch times. And, and she did, she knew exactly who I was because I'd been in there year in, year out asking if I can use all the equipment that's there. And she said, are you in special music? And she gave me this same speech. And I said, you know, I'm not in special music, but I would really like to use this bass. And she was like, well, you can't use the bass then. And I was so angry because like in my head, even as a 16 year old, I'm like, if someone comes to you and asks to learn, go, okay, you're not in special music, but maybe you could think about trying out for music or maybe you should think about doing this or whatever. Give them a path for God's sake. Um, or here's some courses you could do. I don't know, but I just literally walked out of the school that day and my mum came home. She's like, what are you doing home from school? And I told her what had happened. And I said, I think I just want to, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to school again. And she said, okay, but if you're going to play music and you want to do that as a living, you have to, go a hundred percent at that. You don't get to sit around doing nothing. You have to work really, really hard because musicians don't have an easy life. And, and I said, okay, that it's a deal. So I tried out for the conservatorium. I didn't get in. They said, you can come back next year. We think you're amazing, but you're too young. And, and luckily for me in that, that year of 16 to 17, I rediscovered the Beatles and Neil Young and all these other bands. And I, I didn't become a jazz musician. Otherwise my life would have been very different indeed. <laughs> but I really, you know, for my mum, for all of her, her styles of parenting, which is probably quite different to how myself and Beth parent, um, I, what she was really great with is she took me seriously and said, okay, if that's what you want to do, you do it, but you have to work at it every day and it has to be your job now. And, and I took it seriously and that's what I did. And, uh, you know, about two years later I'd started Eskimo Joe and then that's what I've been doing ever since. I feel like that's still uncommon that that's a defining moment. If, if I've ever heard one in, in the, in the form of being able to, to give you love, time and support unconditionally in terms of there's, there's been so many moments like that. I've experienced it personally in terms of education, especially, and I feel like it's quite common out there. And, and the common response is usually, no, it's, it's back down this path. No, you can't go down that path for this reason, this reason. And sometimes it's just because that's how it is. That's how you should do it. All these shoulds. So, um, yeah, I, I commend your, your mum for, for that as well through, um, through a time which I'm sure even from a society point of view um, wouldn't have been easy in, in some, some sense as well. No, but I, I don't think it would have been easy and I, I guess uh, I was lucky that I had that support but I also, you know, just got on with it and worked. But I do... I do. Your life is quite unique as well. Both Cav and I 
traveled quite a lot as children we both had our our mothers are very different our parents very different but similar at the same time unconditional love child-led play-based I you know I was thought we both have had similar but different environments I mean your mum was an educator my mum was you know she was on the stage at the age of 11 in London in the king and i for a few years and then she became went on to become a dance drama expert and but i went to nine schools in two different countries you know ended up auditioning for whopper as well and they put me on the reserve list because i was too young exactly (laughs) like cal so it's another time that we could have met which is interesting but there's all these sliding doors moments but definitely I think we were both, that's when we did meet each other, there was quite a few similarities because we were both given a lot of freedom to be ourselves within our family environments, as un, as unconventional um, as they might have been. We're not going to go into too many details about that. I, I, think, I think one of the massive advantages of uh, Beth's mum being so involved in our family is that her you know, because she was a teacher for a long time and then became a psychologist, um, she, her, how, how Beth's grown up and how they structured learning in their household um, has been one of the most amazing benefits uh, to my two boys coming into the equation. They, they're definitely growing up with a much more uh, structured um, way to study, to, to learn. And I think, you know, as far as education goes, they're going to have a much, much better education from me and Beth meeting each other. And that's a lot to do with Beth's mum. But it's, it's taking the education as being important and it's something to be valued, but something that's for them. So after, you know, I ended up doing a commerce degree later on down the track and having to pay for that myself. And it was only that I really understood all the things that my mother, mum had taught me earlier, which is, this is for you that I kind of, it just, I got it. It's like, okay, what if Cav and I right now could just go and study something, that'd be amazing. It's actually like expanding who you are. It's, it's just for you. It's not for anybody else. And if, Children are given a play, an approach which is an experiential approach to learning. They get that it is for them because they've experienced it. It comes back to, to that child-centred uh, yeah. term you used before. And, and I think that's really cool. The, the consistent theme or pattern that, that I've heard through, throughout our, our chat so far has been that child-centred approach and and i'm not sure um if that's something that was a lesson or or learning that that you took from from your parents but i can see it very clearly through through both of you guys as parents so i just wanted to acknowledge that as well in in both of you guys and 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 i know uh i know you guys have got plenty going on so i I don't want to hold you up too much longer but i'd love to ask a couple more questions if that's okay sure i think you've got another 15 Awesome. Awesome. So, so I'd, I'd love to know in terms of you, you both talked about it uh, in bits and pieces, but what sort of impact did parenting have on both of your careers? Well, um, I mean, with my career, I guess, you know, having my mum taking me seriously about wanting to be a musician meant that, you know, I valued it and she valued it. Um, so, I mean, I think that's also the advantage of growing up in somewhere like Fremantle where people take being an artist seriously as well. Um, 
but I think, you know, and this is no disrespect to either of our parents at all. I think a lot of the stuff that you take into being a parent is the things that you realize that they didn't do, you know, and a lot of what, you know, started off with me and then definitely was became ironclad when uh, with myself and Beth was that, you know, I just, when you have kids, you look back at some of the stuff your parents did and you're like, that's pretty loose actually. <laughs> I don't know if I do it like that. Um, so uh, a lot of the stuff that I learned from my parents uh, and from my mum especially, and you know, it was the stuff they didn't do and that I thought. Or I, couldn't do. I might just add that. Yeah, couldn't do. So my mum was working a lot and there is a huge expectation on women these days in particular and men. But if we're going to live in an egalitarian world, then women and men need to be treated equally first. But there's a huge expectation that there isn't going to be someone at home looking after children, be it the father or the mother, that, that, that somebody else is going to look after your children. Somebody else is going to bring up your children. So there's still not much of a value, I don't think, in the Western world in particular on parenting. So um, whatever, fortunately... When I was growing up, my mother had a job as a teacher, so she was available a lot of the time. And But then when things got harder and she became a single parent, she was working a lot. And the, when your children get to about 11, you kind of need to be around after school. It's very important to be around after school. The school pickup is more important when they get older than when they're younger. I believe because when they're younger, they just want play dates constantly. They're three and four and five and six, and all they want to do is go to so and so's house. So as long as you're around one or two afternoons a week to host those play dates, that's what they're looking for. But you need to be available to pick people up and make sure that they are they actually get home by four thirty or five o'clock or five thirty. <laughs> Which is good because your wine consumption goes up massively as your children get older and more hard work so at a certain age you have to stop drinking the wine because you need to be available to pick them up from parties at eleven thirty at night <laughs> you know what that, i think that's going to be our soundbite from from this chat <laughs> is is that that last <laughs> that last 15 seconds that's that's all i'm taking from this <laughs> is that we're trying not to model that <laughs> it's funny because it's true <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, wow. let's um let's let's travel back in time together. If you could both transport back in time to to a time where you weren't parents, so just before becoming parents, with one piece of of parenting advice, what would it be? What would that advice be to yourself? This is such a short time, so just be there a hundred percent. And there is no such thing as constant. The only constant is change. That's beautiful. Nothing is fixed and permanent. I definitely, definitely resonate with that. And, 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 and with that as well, in terms of uh, that there is so much material out there in, in the parenting world, whether it be um, things to watch, things to read, things to, to listen to, it, has there been anything that, that you've come across that, that, that has helped you on your journey as a parent? Uh, yeah, for me, there was something that was a 40-year study 
as once again, not many people get to get this information, but having psychologists at my disposal was very helpful. And um, it's called the circle of trust, I think, or the, the circle of security, the circle of security. It's a parenting methodology. Um, which has evolved a 40-year study with hundreds of different people, incredibly intelligent, very big-brained humans. And um, it essentially has this circle. There's a circle of security and there's a circle of trust. And it's, I can't really go into it in a very short period of time. But it's about why children say, look at me, all of those things. And you can take it from the moment that they're born all the way through forever. It's amazing. So you can have a look at the circle of security. That's, been That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll look into to that and, and maybe put the link in the, um, the episode bio. I think that anything like that at the end of the day, it's, it's based on research too, I, I think is, um, is, in, is important to, to, to being, being a parent. That's what I think personally. I, I know there's different opinions out there, but you can always filter, um, what there's you're, what one there that's been studying just four-year-olds or the three-month-olds or four-month-olds. There's, there's all these specialists that have just literally had a discreet moment in time with little people and just focused on that and all the myriad, <clears throat> myriad of different people, like personalities that are exist and behaviours, but also, yeah, if they respond to certain things in a certain way. It's, you know, we all respond to love. What about yourself, Cav? Have you come across anything in, in your journey as a dad? Like you said, it's, you know, there's lots of bits and pieces that I've read that I've just filtered out the bits that have worked for me. But one of my favorite quotes from a friend of mine, um, when uh, Lucy Peach, when she would, uh, she would have this thing because she was a single mum for a while and you know, with, 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 you know, one kid, but uh, she would say, when everything gets too hard, just go eat dinner in the bath. <laughs> And she meant it literally. She meant it literally. But I, I like the idea that it's like, you know, when everything gets too hard, just fuck it. Just relax, man. And just, you don't have to be the perfect parent. No. You, you, there is only so many balls you can keep up in the air at, at the time. And nobody keeps them all up there all the time. There's, you're always dropping a ball. So just every once in a while, just go eat dinner in the bath. <laughs> you, you were you were dropping nuggets of wisdom, my friend. This this last ten minutes is one thing that we haven't like talked about. This is getting a bit deep again, but the in re, back in regards to education, what Cav and I both value more than say grades is emotional intelligence. So getting back to if somebody's done something that we don't like or is dangerous. It's like you have to look at the whole picture of that and say, what, choose what, what within that picture is the, has been the focus of it and was that the right choice? And then let them think about it again. Um, being emotionally intelligent enough to all of our children can sit and they, could, they would all be very okay with talking to you about all of these subjects as well. I think that's a, a much more eloquent way of, of putting it than how I said it before, which is like, we don't want our kids to grow up to be dickheads. Um, basically we love our children for wh however they become, but we, uh, we, what we value most is that they grow up as emotionally intelligent people. And that's, and that's really, if our kids can, can achieve that as humans in this world, then we'll be so happy, you know? 
That's awesome, guys. You, you've been you've been amazing and, and generous with your time. And 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 Beth, you may have um have just threw out an idea for a 2.0. Maybe we can get the kids kids involved as well next time and um and just just have a big party of it. I'll get Jess and Oscar in and and we can have a big uh what would that be a, a big um a big nine person podcast. It might yeah. be a first actually. That, that, that well, would be. will just speak at the same time, probably. And that's it. Oh, no, they probably wouldn't. No, they take turns. They, they, they would. They would take turns. Like... Well, Oscar doesn't. He he's quite abrupt. So <laughs> you got you guys might be okay, but we'll have this um this blonde bombshell interrupting at, at every opportunity. I think, but um. <laughs> you can just it, it basically take on what they do at Lance Holt School, which is they have something called the school meeting every morning where somebody chairs the meeting and if you've got something to say, you say, I now declare this meeting open. Does anyone have anything to say? And then people take turns to say something from a three-year-old all the way up to a 10-year-old. Um, when we really have an issue with our family, we, call, we do call the family meeting with that daggy family that will call the, da the family meeting and somebody will have to chair that meeting and we all have to listen to what each other has to say. And we eventually get to the serious part, but it always start with someone saying something stupid to break the ice and everyone goes, ha ha ha, whatever. But then eventually we're like, it comes down to us and then I'll say Beth, you know, and you know, and Beth will go, okay, well, someone's been weeing on the toilet seat. So that's not cool. Uh, you might have had a creative idea, yeah. but that's not okay. Yeah, so yeah, you, you may have just thought of a hit song, but we're we're not about that here. <laughs> that's right. It's always back to we with me for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> there are other people, other people. It's 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 teaching the community that they, that you, you're not living in isolation. Although <laughs> it's a bit weird to say that right now. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, that, that that you're living in an environment that will impact other people. Hmm. Those um those silly icebreakers. I think they're 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 invaluable. I think the corporate world could could use with a a few more silly icebreakers too, just to to lighten up the place and and just to to wrap up with with my last couple of questions, guys. But what are you both loving about parenting right now? Um, I love the fact that you know because we're a blended family. You know we've been together as a family for a period of time where we've really broken through some massive barriers to a point where, like I was saying at the beginning, um, you know, the kids are feeling really secure in who they are, where they live, you know, where, where they sit in the whole scheme of it all. So what I'm really loving is that we're actually starting to see some of the benefits of all of this hard work that we've been putting in for years. And um, you know, what, what you have to do when you're a blended family is create new rituals, you know, because you know, everyone's, you know, who are you as a family? So we would do these things called darlings day out, which is where we'd all go out on this, you know, magical adventure together and be, and, and that's what, that would be a bonding thing. And there'd be some fun stuff, some dangerous stuff and all the rest of it. And we do that for years and years. And, um, and finally, I feel like all of those moments that we put in, you know, to try and create these rituals and all the rest of it, um, are actually coming they're paying off like these these humans are, are are great and i can see the benefits of all of the work that we put in which has been like recently and it's been during this time that the four children have become a gang in the, they've become a unit on their own 
So it's been when Cav and I have walked in to go and it's movie night and we're excited because we get to cuddle our kids and spend time with them. And, and they've gone, no, we don't want you to be here. We want to just hang out with each other. This is our thing. Yeah. And that's that moment of knowing when you have to step back. Yep. <laughs> and Cav looks at me like, what? Well, where are we going to go? I don't know. It's like we're drinking wine in bed again, darling. Okay. <laughs> Date night in bed. It's, it's standard now, isn't it? Backgammon board comes out again yeah. and um, we're in the library listening to music on our own and they're, they're shouting and screaming at the television and having a great time together and they choose to do things together. I mean, they still, you know, do things very separately, but seeing that in the past couple of months has been amazing. Thank you both from, from the bottom of my heart for, for how open and, and, and honest you've been in, in sharing your, your perspectives. We, um, we always finish off at, at the Sounding Board Parenting Podcast with a segment called Time to Plug Off. And, and this is a, an, op- an opportunity for you guys to basically um, share with those who are listening, where can they find your, your work? Where, what are you currently working on? Maybe a hat jam plug somewhere in there as well. And, and are you on social media? And, um, and what's next for, for you guys? Uh, a three to four part question straight at you. Well, uh, if you want to find myself and Beth, Beth is known as Studio Cat uh, on um, our Hat Jam podcast. That's at Hat Jam underscore podcast. Um, probably best to find us on Instagram. Um, and then uh, for all of my solo stuff with Cav Tempoli, there's like Cav Tempoli at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and then, of course, there's the world of Eskimo Joe, which is just, you know, Eskimo Joe music uh, at Instagram, Facebook and all the rest of it. Um, we are going to continue to we've done one remote hat jam, which uh, went really, really well. But hopefully with things opening up a little bit, we'll actually get to get back into the studio with some artists because it's just been such a great project, the hat jam project. Um, uh, I'll probably do some more solo stuff throughout the year, but we're getting ready to do um, a brand new Eskimo Joe song. So we just approved the artwork. It comes out in about three weeks and um, that'll probably take up the second half of the year for me quite a lot. We are also going to be talking about our workshops. We've also been working for years with these group workshops. We are developing, hoping to develop them online. So an online series that people can contact me and hopefully we're going to be running those in September. So if you want to find out about the workshops, you just look for uh, Cav Songwriters and uh, it'll, it'll all be there. All the information's on www.cavtemperley.com.au. And if you're feeling really kind, you can head to the Hat Jam Patreon page and just give us some money because we will take it. You guys are go, 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 aren't you? I have I've honestly really, really enjoyed this chat and, and I think... Um, yeah, there's plenty of material that's that's come out of that for for a 2.0 at some point. So I'd I'd love to to have you guys back on Sounding Board Parenting at some point. I I hope you have gained some value as well from from your time on on the podcast. And I wish you you guys and all the kids all the best into the future. Same to you. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Personally, these interviews are providing me a time to reflect on my week as a parent. Let me know if anything stood out for you during the chat. As a new pod on the block, 
Yes, dad jokes are welcome here. It would be great if you could look out for us and share this episode with someone that you think may be interested. While you're at it, why not head to our socials and show some love with a like, follow or comment. Keep an eye out for the next pod drop. Big thanks to Steelo Media for producing this piece of art we call Sounding Board Parenting. From my heart to yours, I hope you're making progress on something you love and something that makes you feel alive. Remember, this can go anywhere.